Welcome to the Juniper Lab podcast. I'm your guest host today, Jeff Peltier. I have turned the mic around on your usual host, Derek Lytle, to ask him about his recent uh, FKT on the Tucson 5. Derek, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I'm excited to do this. It's going to be fun. When you suggested it, I was uh, I was a little nervous, honestly, because I'm never on this side of the camera slash microphone, like you're saying. So it's going to be fun. Well, I've got some tough questions for you. So oh, I'm sure you let's do. <laughs> start, let's start off. Tell me about the route and where, why, why this, why this inspired you, why, why you want to tackle this route. Okay. Well, a couple of years ago, I was looking for some FKTs to do. And um, like, I was just kind of like, like racing's fun, but I like doing FKTs and just do, I like Arizona stuff. I was looking at stuff specifically for the Grand Canyon, but I was like, I want to do something just closer to home. And I found like some FKTs are like kind of fun, but they're just a little short. And then I found this one and I was like, oh, it's interesting because it's just, I don't forgot the guy's name that actually put it on the site, but it was like just the five prominent peaks around town. And I'd done, I think three of the five. And I was like, oh, these are all super fun. It'd be fun to do these ones that I haven't done before. And the FKT, according to the, the site, was connect them via car and just combine your running mm -hmm. time. And I was like, ah, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I think it'd be more fun to bike it. But then end up like weather wasn't great for me. And so I just held off like I'll do it in the spring or something. And um, I don't remember exactly like it's a couple of years ago, like I was saying. But then another local guy, um, his name is Henley Phillips. Um, he ended up doing it and connecting it via bike, which is what I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad somebody did it. And he had some like rough mileage and stuff um, for the biking and the running. And I was like, cool, like, I'm definitely going to do it that way. Like, that seems like the most pure way to do it. Plus also a good way just to, to see the valley down here and like connect all these peaks together and see things in a new way. So that's like kind of what was inspiring to me about it was that mm -hmm. I can do the whole thing self-propelled and just experience like the area for a couple of days and not be in my truck, just driving around and dealing with traffic and stuff. So this is, these are peaks that basically surround kind of like a, like a, like a web around Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. Exactly. What are the five peaks? Yeah. So the five peaks, um, it's Mount Wrightson then you have Micah mountain, which is, is in Saguaro national park. And you have Mount Lemon, which is the most popular and prominent peak around town. At least the one that people talk about the most. Then you have a uh, Wasson peak, um, which is on the other side of Saguaro national park. Then you have Keystone peak, which is a little further South. And it's kind of across the valley from Mount Wrightson. So when you're on Keystone, you can look over and see Mount Wrightson. And so it's kind of, kind of a loop in a sense. Um, you do go around the whole valley in a way. Um, and it's just, oh, it's cool. And like, you can kind of see them all from various angles and stuff, depending on where you are. But um, what's interesting about it, though, is like people think that the Tucson and the desert is just straight up desert. But we actually have a lot of mountains. Like Mount, uh, Mount Lemon right there in town is like 8,000 something feet. And you can literally go from saguaro cactus to being freezing cold up in the pine trees, like relatively quickly. So it's pretty cool. And like Micah Mountain is the same way um, where it gets snow, it's up high. And Mount Lemon, or not Lemon, sorry, uh, Mount Wrightson's the same where it's like, I forgot the exact elevation, it's like 8,000 something feet. And it's a drastically different environment from where you start. So like the fact that you can kind of do these, these routes or these, these trails that are, you start in the desert and go up high and come back down, like it's just, it's super fun and intriguing. Um, at least to me personally, I find it fascinating. No, that's cool, and I, 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 I really like that you you kind of did it in a different in a different way, self propelled using a bike. But it's a way that people could replicate. I mean, they you know this this can be a new established way to approach this because I'm looking at the uh, the previous record on fastestknowingtime.com. It looks like Billy Oliver in 2020. Does that sound right? And he he did it using cars. Um, let's see. I'm looking at it now. Um, are you on the just the FKT site for the Tucson Five? Yeah, for the Tucson Five. So, so you know, like like you said, you're doing this self-propelled using a bike to connect them all. Mm -hmm. um, would the routes between those be fairly well established, or is it kind of choose your own adventure to get to each trailhead? Yeah, it's kind of choose your own adventure. And like I, mm -hmm. I was DMing with um, Henley, who had done it before. Like I don't know him personally more than just um, via Instagram. We were talking about it, how there's different ways you can make the route faster, specifically like the trails okay. you take. Because when he did it, one of the trails, the original trails was closed due to a fire. Mm. And so he did a different trail up. I don't remember exactly what he did off the top of my head. Um, but then we were talking, he's like, yeah, you could probably do it faster. You did it via bike this way to this trailhead versus that trailhead. Yeah. And so from our view, after speaking, he was like, yeah, it's cool. Like, do what you want if you think you can do it faster that way. And yeah. like, for example, Mount Wrightson, the first peak that I did, I think was 
I don't know, third or fourth that he did. He did it from um, like Florida Canyon Trailhead. And I did it from Old Baldy, which is a little bit shorter, but also had a very steep road climb on a bike. Mm-hmm. So you, there's like pros and cons, I guess, to everything that you do. And if I remember right, um, the route that he did on his bike to connect all the peaks had a big, long gravel road section. And I, in my head, was thinking like, oh, if I rode on the road, like on pavement, I can do this a lot faster. So I ended up putting road tires on my gravel bike and doing 100% pavement to, in my eyes, do it as fast as I can on on bike. Cool. So it's a little bit more like, say, Nolan's 14 or the Bob Graham round in the Lake District in England, where it's, you know, depending on your strengths, you might choose one route versus another, and you have to do your recce, and you have to really put your route together to, to find the fastest route. You're not just following an established GPS track in this case. Yeah, and there's like there's so many variables, too. You know, we kind of like talk about it that way, because... Um, you could just pack up your bike for the entire like two or three days and carry all your weight the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. Or you could maybe like stop at restaurants because it's all self-supported. That's how I did it anyways. You could stop at a yeah. gas station or whatever. And so I tried to pack as much as I could with me on my bike just to minimize stoppage time. Um, but I know the guy that did it before me, he had stopped at like McDonald's and the Whole Foods because you are like kind of in and out of town the entire time. So depending on where you are on the route, you have access to like a grocery store or a gas station, or you could even do a right. hotel if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's where, you know, fully supported means you have like a crew vehicle, something that wouldn't be available to anybody where self-supported you're maybe doing your own drops, or in this case, you're buying food, things that anybody could buy along the way if they chose to replicate the route. Yeah, exactly. And like specifically like with fastest known times for running or with biking, it's a little bit different. I know they have different rules and stuff as far as like a bike FAT, but like a, a self-supported is you don't have anything planned out ahead of time. So you're not like booking a hotel or having be yeah. like, Hey, like uh, George, meet me at this trailhead and bring me all this stuff or something. But if you yeah. say like during, um, during the route, while you're out there, you have a mechanical issue with your bike, you could call someone to come help you out or whatever, or yeah, right. d- get a pizza delivered if you wanted. <laughs> right. Right. Well, take me through the day, or I guess in this case, it was a couple of days. Your time was 56 and a half hours. Um, I think it was 56, 30, and 52 seconds. So tell me, take me through the day, starting with what, what day and what time did you start and, and walk me through step-by-step. Step. Yeah, so I ended up starting Saturday, um, which I, as of now was a few days ago. Um, well, I guess what takes Wednesday, so however many days that is. Um, and I decided to start with Mount Rideson, kind of just because I could park my truck up there, like just right outside of the, the main parking area and just ride a couple miles to the trailhead. And I knew it would be a safe place to leave my truck and then just a good place to come back um, and just like kind of have it there. And so I camped out up there the night before and um, my friend Drew uh, was going to come meet me at the trailhead to do Mount Wrightson. And so I was going to start around 6.30 and I'm starting like 6.40 something. I don't remember exactly. Um, and so I started pedaling up the pavement and like I was maybe 15 minutes in, he came riding by on his motorcycle and um, so then I saw him a few minutes later up at the trailhead. And it was just really pretty. It was a super nice morning. We had some rain a couple days before and the day before. So it was kind of like misty and foggy, which is super cool because it's just not how you normally see those mountains there. And so we were just stoked. We got up there and like there's tons of wildlife out, like deer and turkey everywhere, which is super fun. And and he was kind of just stoked to be up there. Like he hadn't been up in that mountain for a while. And so we started uh, Mount Wrightson, which is about 10 miles. So it's five miles up, five miles down, with a few thousand feet of vert. And the trail is like, it's super well established. And I've done it a bunch of times. And, um, but this is beautiful, man. Like you start in the pine trees and you just go and go and go. And then I think it's about four-ish miles up, you hit a saddle. And it was kind of windy at that point, but the temps were decent. Like they were actually fairly warm, even though it was breezy. But at that point we started to get up into the clouds. The whole like peak was just covered in clouds. So, you know, the whole like ping pong ball, like metaphor that people always talk about, that's what it was. And we ascended up and grabbed a few photos and we couldn't really see much because usually you can see like over into Mexico at that point, you can see back into Tucson, you have 360 degree views. because It's just a bald like mm-hmm. rock point at the top of, of the mountain. It's not treated in or anything. And so we were just like, well, like, I guess we'll take some pictures and leave. Like there's not really much more we can do up here besides freeze. And so we ran down and it was actually, it was just really enjoyable. It was a good way to start it. Drew is a really good guy. And the views were just inc- like awesome coming down. Like we could see like in the other little bits of the mountains around there once we got out of the clouds. And there's still a little bit of fall color left as well. And so we're kind of running through the tail end of fall, which was really nice to see. It's just, it honestly was just like a really perfect way to, to start it. Like it was just, everything was ideal. Like I felt great. Obviously, like, well, I should anyways, like <laughs> peak number one of the five, I should feel good. Um, 
but yeah, then I got down and um, kind of changed out of my running clothes into uh, my riding clothes because I had about a 50, 60 mile ride over to the Douglas Spring Trailhead, which would take me up Micah Mountain, which would be my second peak. So um, you had your clothes stashed with your bike in a bag? Yeah. So I basically had my bike set up for a bike packing trip. Um, so I had a frame bag and then a, a top two bag and then like the, the seat platform space in the name of it right now, like the seat bag or whatever that goes off the back. Um, so I had like my nutrition essentially for the entire route. Um, I change of clothes. So I had my running clothes, my riding clothes. I just I wore the same shirt the entire time. And I had like a puffy and a jacket. Cause it, was, it does cool off. And when you're riding your bike, like it gets sure. chilly for sure. Like even if it's only 50 degrees, that wind chill factor, like it plays a role for sure. Um, Especially as you get fatigued. Yeah, exactly. Like as you get fatigued, your body just can't regulate like temperature mm -hmm. as well. And like I, I don't guess runners in general are all pretty thin, don't have a lot of body mass, so <laughs> you feel it pretty <laughs> quick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but at that okay, point, so peak one. Oh, go ahead. Peak one's done. So you're back on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's it's a full on established trailhead, and so I used the bathroom there and changed inside and stuff, and it was it was totally cool. Um, and then Drew left, and um, he was gone on his motorcycle. He was gonna go on a date with his girlfriend that night or something. Um, so at this point though, like I have like a really long descent on bike, which was a super fun. Cause when your bike's loaded up with bike packing gear, like you can just fly down pavement. Like it's, it's so fun once you get going. So I was cruising down there and, um, it's actually funny cause I, I put my Coros in, um, hike mode and ultra max mode. So I could just like have the best battery life possible. And as I'm ripping down this road, like I know I'm going at least 25, 30, whatever. And I look at my watch and it's like 7.5 miles per hour or something. And I was like, well, that's not right. So it must have been like some of the algorithm they do to calculate like your speed when you're hiking is a lot different than when you're just like flying on a bike because it definitely wasn't accurate. It was so, probably skipping all the switchbacks too, right? Because it was only sampling every 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah, something like that. So I don't know exactly how it works, but it was kind of funny because I know my mileage was like really off, um, but it doesn't matter. Obviously, it tracks the entire thing and it's just all about time. Um, so I kind of, I get down, I cruise down that pavement and it's, I don't know exactly how many miles it is, but it's a pretty long uh, ride down, but it was just a blast and temps were good. I was feeling good. And, um, I, at that point there's a, I didn't even think about this until a couple days before, but, um, a friend was telling me that there's a big bike race in town that weekend. It's called El Tour de Tucson. And it's a big loop around town and it's going to be in the same day when I was out there. And so I get to this little town of Green Valley and I start riding, uh, I guess it's northeast-ish over to, to Micah Mountain. And I'm riding with the Tour to Tucson. And so there's all these people. It's like like, like back of the Packers people. And they're like cruising by me, like like just cheering me on. I'm like, I'm not in a race. Like I'm not bringing my bikepacking set up for a 100-mile <laughs> ride or whatever. <laughs> but that was kind of fun. Let's just see some other people and um, just kind of like ride with them a little bit. Because I, I did kind of like draft off them a little bit. Like, it was just kind of fun, yeah. just like cruise with these people, and everyone was super friendly. Um, but it was fun; it was cool. Like it was just a really nice highway to ride, and it was kind of cool too because at that point, it was a safer because I'm riding on the side of the oh, road yeah. with like a lot of other people, and I'm not just out here by myself. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Like, not that that during the day is that dangerous, but it was just nice to see some people, and it was kind of fun just to like whatever. And um, on the way over to Douglas Spring, you you skirt around town. There's a bunch of military bases and like things and stuff. I stopped and got water. Um, I knew I was going to need it. There's no water at the Douglas Spring Trailhead. And um, so, yeah, so I filled up on water and everything, knowing how much I would need. And that's about a 26-mile route up and down uh, Micah Mountain. And so I got there, and it was kind of funny because I, I pull up, and it's like, you go into this long um, highway that goes through town, or road that goes through town, and it just dead ends at the National Park. And I'd been there a million times, and I pull up, and there's just cop cars everywhere. And I'm like, I go, like, what's going on here? And like. I don't know what they were doing, but it was like parking lots is full of sheriff vehicles and they're like taking pictures. And I was like, oh man, it's like a crime scene here. But like the thought in my head though, wasn't necessarily about like what was going on. It was now there's like all these police vehicles and a police photographer. And I have to change my clothes out here in the open because there, there's no like bathroom here. Like at that point, that trailhead is just an open, it's just end of the road. There's like a gazebo and then that's it. And I was like, oh crap, like I don't want to get a ticket for like public indecency or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just kind of like, was taking my time trying to get ready. But I was like, at some point I got to change into my riding clothes. So I went out and hid behind some bushes, which was kind of dangerous considering the amount of cactus out there. Like I don't want to like step on something. Yeah. But I ended up changing my clothes out there and it was fine. Locked up my bike and I started maybe like an hour, a little bit, of, maybe a little more than an hour or so before um, sunset. And just started up the trail and like it's kind of rolling through the desert for a long time and 
it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was quiet. There weren't a lot of people out, but there were some out there and um, just kind of started going and like just follow the route. And like, it's not like the most interesting, like it was, it was pretty and stuff, but I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a long, a long night. So then you start climbing up Micah and um, it's just a long slog, honestly. And I had never done it before. So it was also kind of enjoyable because I'm like, oh, it's all new to me. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want to get this done. And I had to do this one alone. I had no one with me. So it was kind of like, in my eyes, I called like the mental crux of the entire route. So I was going to be out there for a long time solo. And mm -hmm. the whole time, I'm just trying to like keep these thoughts out of my head of like, like the big game and the predators that are up here. Because if my friend Corey from town, he's big into like wildlife and stuff. He told me a story one time of like his buddy that got stalked by a mountain lion out there. And I was like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. like yeah. I'm going to get eaten by a mountain lion out here. No one really knows where I am at this point. I'm just going <laughs> to die up here. But it wasn't that bad. And I got within four miles of the top. And then once again, I'm up in the clouds because it had been raining. And so I'm just like, well, I'm just navigating by headlamp in this fog. I can only see like right in front of me. And it was a new to me trail too, and there's no one on the trail. So I'm like, well, this is going to take a long time just to make sure I don't get lost. So there, there were some points where I'd step off trail and had to like backtrack for a second, but it wasn't mm -hmm. that bad. And like, I was pretty fresh at that point too. So it wasn't like, like having been awake for just 18 hours or less, it's like, it's not like that, like that big of an issue. But then um, my friend Matt, who was actually going to come out to Wasson and pace me later on, he was telling me that Mike is his least favorite peak in town and it's because there's no views up top. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm sure there's some sort of view. But I'm like, one, I'm in the clouds. And then two, it's just pine trees everywhere. And so I'm ascending and going and going and going. And suddenly I just, I get to the top, like just out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, like this is the top. It's just a sign. It says Micah Mountain. And that's it. Like it was the most like underwhelming thing. Cause it's like, I'm in the ping pong ball of fog. And here's just a sign saying I made it to the top. I was like, well, all right. Like there we go. <laughs> that's the end. And so I just turned around and went back down and, um, luckily it had rained before because there's no water on trail. Um, but since it had rained though, um, there were little pockets of water. So I filtered some water, um, just for the end. Nice. Um, and then got back to, to my bike and luckily it was still there. Um, well, the cops, the cops were, were watching it for you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the silver lining to having them there. <laughs> so, uh, do, do you okay. think, do you think on that second peak? So it's interesting. You hadn't scouted that one. So do you think you wasted time that you could have made up had you scouted it or, or was that not a big deal? Yeah, I probably could have. I could have probably saved a lot of time if I had been there before. Um, yeah. I had just been busy and didn't want to do like a 26 mile run like immediately before doing this, um, even at like yeah. a casual pace. And so, yeah, I probably could have saved time because I didn't know it was like most of it was just kind of low rolly desert. I thought it just ascended immediately, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. um, so that would have saved me some time and then just knowing the route. But it was also kind of fun just to like be blindsided by it and figure it out as I went. Sure. Yeah. So, but it was fun though. I had a good time on it and I don't know, like I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my go-to run, but I'd definitely do it like as a training run for sure. Like it was fun. So what time was it when you finished then that second peak was the, cause it was sunset when you set out. Mm -hmm. Um, man, I'm trying to remember exactly. It was early morning, maybe like one or 2 a.m. or something and okay so sun sun still hasn't come up then you're back at your bike now yeah you make your way over to the third peak yeah and it was so it's just dark out whatever and um and it was kind of funny is like i get back to the trail to my bike and there's still cars there and there's people like doing stuff and i'm just like oh my gosh like i gotta go and i'm like i've changed my clothes right here in the open and i was like what are you guys doing but um the interest not interesting but i guess kind of like uh the first little wrench in the whole thing was i got back to my bike and it was just soaking wet like everything's covered in dew because it had rained so much. It was very humid. And so I'm like, well, my bike is soaked and all my clothes I had out to dry just got wet. Like my, I tried to dry oh. out my socks, like by leaving them like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like safety pin to my bike. Cause like, mm -hmm. oh, they'll dry out. And I can have dry socks again now for when I ride. And they were just damp. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Like my riding shorts are damp and my socks are damp. And I don't want to do that and start getting blisters after like not even 24 hours in. And yeah. so I had my camp stove with me. And so like, I, I just opened it up and like set my clothes around it and just try to dry it as best I could. And for the most part, they dried out, but it looked a little silly though. Like just with all my stuff under this gazebo and just trying to dry it on a little camp stove. But I don't know. So how just... much time did you spend there doing that? That sounds like you wasted a bit of time on that. Uh, at least a half an hour, like oh. quite a bit of time. But in my head though, I was thinking like, if I don't do this, it's going to bite me in the butt later on. Yeah. Because so it was an investment. Yeah. For sure. It's just like, like, I don't know, like at Moab, when you ran Moab, like you got to take care of your feet and do these things that like yeah. maybe in the moment doesn't make sense. 
but it's going to save you minutes, if not hours, or just like a lot of discomfort later on, right? Yeah, or potentially save the whole effort, right? If you if you ended up getting blisters because the and that's what's so funny about the desert. It's it's a different place during the day than it is at night, right? You have different variables, different weather, completely. Oh, one hundred percent, and. It's so funny, like just thinking about that. Everyone just assumes there's always hot and dry, and it's like that's all it is. But it's like it was not that, and I I kind of glossed over it. But when I was riding over to Micah, there's like a massive rainstorm that just came out of nowhere, and so I got soaked. And so wow. I stopped for a minute just to kind of like dry off as best I could. And I was like, I don't want to ride in the. So that's that's why you were drying your clothes. Then it was wet from the from the rain. Yeah, yeah, it was everything was pretty damp, and it's like okay, like not what I was expecting, but it kind of is what it is, and. This makes it fun, I guess. You know, throw some wrenches in there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're back. You dried your stuff off then, and presumably you got moving. Or were you? Tell me about your food at this point. Were you making meals as well with that stove as you went? Or no? So I brought it. Like, and this sounds really <laughs> now. I like say it out loud. Kind of lame. I was like, I want to have hot coffee. And hey, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And it was kind of like twofold though. Like one, I was like, well. If I'm freezing for some reason, I can make some hot coffee, like instant coffee. Yeah. But then also it's like, yeah, it's kind of a luxury thing too. But it ended up being really beneficial because I can dry my stuff out. So like I did make coffee there too because it was in early morning. I was like, I should probably have a little bit of caffeine. Um, but also dried my clothes out at the same time. Um, while I was yeah, doing and mentally. That. I mean, that's that's that, you know, that's that little luxury thing that sometimes those luxuries, it's a strategic thing. It can keep you moving on a multi-day effort when you're cold and you're wet, you're tired and, you know, a warm cup of coffee. It's not much. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, just like that one like little creature comfort can like totally yeah. make a make a big deal. So, so yeah, but I, I packed up my bike at that point and um, just started riding over. And I, I remember I was like forty miles or something over to the Sutherland Trailhead, which is in uh, Catalina State Park. And so it's a trail that I've done parts of before, but I've never gone all the way to the top of Mount Lemmon um, via that trail. But I'd scouted it out a little bit, and I knew there was water there. Um, and my friend Ryan was going to meet me there to do this um, lap with me. So it was going to be based off the GPX. It was like 27 miles, but some people told us it was going to be 30 miles. So we just kind of figured it out as we went. Um, and I'm basically eating like gels and chews at this point, like the entire time. Um, I do a lot of precision gels and uh, they're chews, which are delicious. They taste like just marshmallows and they're super good. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't really get sick of them, to be honest. Um, and I also was doing um, Vespa. Uh, it's a little, like fat supplement, essentially, like it helped you burn fat better. And then I was doing okay. a ketone IQ every four hours, oh. um, which was awesome. Like they're they're super lightweight in little plastic bottles, and um, they worked out well for me. So I was doing those every four hours. Um, yeah, so I got there. Um, it was kind of a fun little pedal over because the city's dead at that point, super early morning, and it was all misty. Mm -hmm. So like the all the street lights were on, but it was just like. It looked like a scene from a movie or something. I have this entire road to myself, just cruising on my bike, and I'm like stoked. So I'm like, I got one of the hardest peaks done out of this entire thing. Like heading over to meet my buddy Ryan, just like have someone to talk to for a long time and, and have a good time. So um, just pedaled over. It's pretty uneventful, honestly. It's like just riding through town. It was enjoyable and fun, and um, I felt good. wasn't tired or anything, and just cruised. Maybe it was the coffee that hooked me up, but I never really felt tired at that point, though, to be honest. Um, but yeah, then I, I got to the trailhead and met Ryan and then I just had a, it was chilly, but it wasn't that bad. Just kind of like kind of classic fall, um, kind of coolness, I guess. Um, but yeah, we loaded up and changed my clothes and stuff. And then we started up the trail and like, it's kind of a long, tedious trail. And I'm glad he was there because at this point, like the sun came up and like, I had done up to, I think only four miles up that trail is a section called Romero Pools and it's super pretty, whatever, but I'd never gone past that. And it's a little hard to navigate in some sections. So I'm glad he was there with me just to kind of help navigate and like keep my brain occupied. And we, we just talked the entire time about like literally everything. And, and it was awesome. And oh, once we got past Romero pools though, um, the whole route was basically new to me and I was just like blown away, like how pretty it was. Like I'd been up Mount Lemon mm -hmm. a million times, all these different routes and classic routes up there, but not from that side. And I was, I was stoked, man. Like it was, it was so pretty. Like I wish I would have had like, a full on camera with me to like take pictures and not just a GoPro because it, it was incredible. And I just was having a really good time enjoying it and just had a lot of fun with him. Like it was, it was awesome. And, um, they actually, there's a local running group called Tucson trail runners and they had a group run that day and we intersected some of them because um, they kind of intersected with our trail and we hit up and whatever. So we saw a few people and it was kind of fun because they're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm cool. like, 
doing all these peaks. They're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Like, no one really like, knew what to say to me about it. It was just, it was kind of funny. But um, yeah, it was beautiful up there, and it was a little cold and windy and stuff. But it wasn't like that bad. Like I was wearing like a, a puffy jacket, and he was wearing a long jacket as well. But um, mm-hmm. we went to the top as an observatory up there. And so we hit the gates, which is where um, the route turns around at, and we just started our way down. We, we filtered some water out of a pipe that we saw and um, just cruised on down, man. And it was just enjoyable, honestly. Like, we had a really good time. It went by really quick, and, and I felt good the entire time. So, yeah, that was Mount Awesome. Long. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so what time would it have been when you finished that peak? So we were, let's see, it was right at sunset. And so that was the day then was, was that, was that like, yeah, it was, it was a long one. And now I don't know, part of the, like, part of my strategy for this was to go easy effort or like zone two effort the entire time. And so like, mm-hmm. I know I could have ran that trail a lot faster, but I was also like, I have a lot more in front of me and I want to make sure I'm pacing myself appropriately. I didn't want to go yeah, out and that hammer. Was, that was the halfway point kind of thing. Right. So, you know, you could layer it on after that. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't want to like have a solid like first half and then just like bonk and cramp for the next two days. Like that just sounded miserable. Like it's it's partly the reason why I did is just to like see everything and have a good time with friends and just push myself in a way, but also experiment with like nutrition and sleep deprivation because I'm doing a a last man standing event at the end of December. And so I was like, well, I want to be able to pace myself and see how I do over multiple days on like minimal sleep and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I forgot to mention that. Um, my friends Kylie and Matt showed up. They were on a run, so they ran five miles up the trail. We met them right before, I guess, five miles up, and so we ran with them all the way back um, to the to the trailhead. And it was good to see them too. It was just a total surprise because um, Matt was going to pace me on the next peak at Wasson, but just seeing them for a bit was just kind of fun, like a, a little like fun surprise to to have there. So, awesome. Okay, so take me through the next leg then. So you're back at your bike now, and sorry, did you say you're now on your own for the bike leg until you? Yeah. The next trail ahead or yeah so i did yeah. all the biking alone um okay. i had some people like come out and run but like, for the most part all the biking was solo uh minus the the tour de tucson people that i saw <laughs> um but it was chilly at this point like the sun went down and like uh, all the washes out here were they had a little bit of water in them, so it was just, like sucked in and made the air really cold um so i had all my layers on and I don't remember exactly how far it is again over to, to Wasson Peak, but it was probably like 40-something miles um, to the King Canyon Trailhead. And it's only a seven-mile um, up and down. Like It's super quick. It's a trail I've done a million times. It's one of my most favorite trails in town. Like, it's just incredibly beautiful and fun, and like I just enjoy it. Like I love it a lot. And uh, it's also Matt's favorite trail. And so he came to join me for a night run up it, which was fun because um, he met me there at the King Canyon Trailhead. And we just ran up it and like just talked the whole time and like it was just up and down like it was super fast like well it felt fast after doing these longer ones there was kind of like slog fest because like this trail like I I knew it all I was familiar with it and it was just, like we just up and down and it was just like done all right like that was it like it was just super fast um, but it was kind of funny like the weird little things always happen like I didn't even think about this but it's in this um, area of town called the Tucson Mountain Park and it's not like like a pay park to get into but they do like technically close it at night and right as i was like swapping out my bike clothes into my run clothes these cops were just like bombing up and down like the road next to us and we're just like oh like whatever they're probably just patrolling and whatever but then like as we're about to start the cop pulls up to us with his lights on and he was just like hey like you guys are trespassing the park is closing you to leave and i was just like oh my gosh like here i am three of the five peaks done the two hardest ones done out of all of them and we're going to get shut down because of a cop. Mm-hmm. And, but like, we were just being really nice with him. We explained the situation and, um, my, like Matt is from the Midwest is very nice. And so we talked to him he's like, okay, like that, that's cool. Like just do it, but don't do it again and just have a good time and be safe. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, thank you officer. Like he, he was really nice. Like I want to like re- really, really emphasize that because he understood the situation that had been awake for like a day and a half at this point. And it was, it was totally great. So I think he said, and so, that, oh, go ahead. that was cause that was like a municipal park, I guess. Right. So they usually close them at sunset and like they're closed in the dark. So yeah. would that be something maybe technically, and if anybody wanted to have eliminated that variable, maybe doing the peaks in a different order to try to think about which ones are open at night and maybe try to plan around that a bit. Yeah, exactly. Because technically I think the sign says from like dawn to dusk or sunrise to sunset or something. So if you were going to do it, like make sure you, 
you're going to get there within that time frame. So just during the day, but then also like Catalina State Park, for example, they close at 10 and they open at five. And so that's another thing too, is like, if you were there late, you might get locked out and have to wait there for the seven hours or whatever. Or if you have somebody pacing you, they might not be able to get into the park at all because the gates are going to mm-hmm. be locked. So those are mm-hmm. definitely variables I didn't think about that. If you were going to do this, it's like, yeah, you should probably, probably check into that or look into it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was fun though. Like we had zero issues. It went super smooth. Like I felt good. Um, it was like, it was windy up top, but like we were expecting that and like, it was totally fine. And it was actually really fun to, to see the, to see Wasson peak at night. Cause I've only ever seen it during the day and like, it's beautiful. Cause you look out and like, there's another peak called Kit Peak out in the distance with an observatory up top. You can see Mount Lemon, you can see Micah, you can see the whole valley in Tucson. But it's always a different experience seeing things at night versus during the day. And it, it's fun, dude. Like, I know we got up there and I kind of wanted to hang out for a bit. But I was also like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing something right now. So, <laughs> so we got to go. But, um, but you've, got, you've got a photo on your, on your Instagram uh, feed that you posted yesterday. I'm assuming one of the, the, the night photos from that peak. Yeah. Yeah. That was Wasson Peak. Uh, yeah. So Matt took that picture and we were just kind of talking about like how misty it was down there in the valley because all the low hanging clouds and stuff, which is also abnormal for, like, for Tucson. Like, like you do get a lot of like monsoon storms um, in the summer and the fall, but um, kind of having rain this late in the year is like, a little bit abnormal, at least that much. Um, but it was beautiful though. It was quiet like as far as like, like I don't know, what we were doing, but like it was windy up there. So we kind of got up and down pretty quick, but temps were good though too like it wasn't anything crazy and um i think i had a bunch of precision chews along the way just because they're delicious and <laughs> whatever um but yeah that was it was a great peak though had a good time and yeah kind of wrapped that one up so were you getting were you getting pretty tired at this point like maybe not fatigue but but drowsiness uh honestly no like really and I, it scared me to be honest and because i was just like okay i'm almost two days in at this point like sleep i don't know exactly how many hours we got done i think at 1 a.m or no what time was it? i don't remember like i should i should have had notes available um but it was like it was after midnight and i was like i should be getting tired right now but i felt good and it was a little concerning to me because like i'd been at, at events where i know like i needed to sleep but i just like i, I knew i couldn't sleep and i wasn't even like yeah. strung out on caffeine or anything i just i had actually limited my caffeine quite a bit on purpose because i wanted to do it on less caffeine to like see how my body would react and i felt totally fine honestly and so i was like okay this is kind of odd but i'll just kind of roll with it at this point um and so then the ride over so i was packing up matt left he had to go to work that morning so i'm sure he was wrecked because he had to get up at like 6 30 or something go to work the next day um but i'm really grateful that he came out because it, it was really enjoyable but like I, I packed up my bike and it was cold at this point. And I think just the being, a, being awake for so long and just basically eating like sugar the entire time, like my body was not yeah. regulating temperature very well. So I put on all my layers and I started riding. It was just freezing. Like I was really cold. Um, but I did have to stop and get water because there's no water at that trailhead. And so um, I mapped a gas station along the way and I stopped there and I was just freezing. But like right before I got to the gas station, I saw a bus stop. And it was just like, not like a full on like enclosed bus stop, but just like a bench with like a, like a metal wall behind it. And mm-hmm. I suddenly got really tired and I was like, okay, like, I should probably like close my eyes for a minute. And so I, I yeah. sat there and I just laid my head back and I slept for like 10 minutes or something. And I was like, I woke up and I'm like, oh, I feel good. So then I went over to the gas station and, um, and I got there and just it was early morning. So like nothing's really going on and there's a clerk inside and. Um, he was super nice and i went over to get a hot coffee because i was cold and he was like oh sorry sir like we don't have anything hot right now and, and he's like but i'll make you some if you want and i was like oh dude heck yeah and so he made me some like it's like crappy gas station coffee but just the fact that it was hot yeah. was the greatest yeah. thing ever and so, so i bought a gallon of water and like bought that and the, the coffee and like i went outside to my bike and because it was cold i had um like a, a sleeping bag liner like not a full-on sleeping bag but just like a fleece liner just if I need yep. to sleep. And so like I pulled it up over me to kind of stay as warm as I could. And I'm filling up my water bottles. And as I'm doing that, a security guard walks over. And I'm sure I look totally disheveled at this point. But he was like, yeah. it's like, excuse me, sir, there's no sleeping on the premises. So you need to leave. And I was like, I was like, uh, I, I, yeah, I get that. I'm not sleeping. I'm just filling up my water bottle. He's like, you need to leave right now. And I was like, oh my 
gosh. Like, <laughs> okay, like I'm not going to argue with him, obviously. And like, I, it probably did look like I was a homeless guy. Like, let's let's be yeah, real. Like yeah. somebody like sleeping on the, on the property. So I was like, okay, like I apologize and like packed up my stuff. And um, I was kind of hoping that at this point, the ride over to the last peak, Keystone Peak, was going to be pretty mellow because like it's like a pretty straight shot, mostly flat, I assumed. And just, it seemed easy on paper. I had never ridden this route before. And it goes through like a little Indian reservation. And like the roads are kind of hit or miss. And But I mapped it. I was like, I'm fine. I'm good to go. And then like as I was riding, it's like this road was just not even a road. It was just full on like like a gate through property. Like you can't even like get through it if you wanted to. And I was like, oh, crap. And then again and again and again, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like I'm too tired to like deal with this. Like I just want to ride my bike mm-hmm. and like. And I'm also excited too, because I'm like, there's one peak left. And this has been a kind of frustrating bike ride. I'm tired. I'm freezing my butt off at this point. And I just was like, this kind of is annoying. But eventually I made it. So, sorry, what was what was happening then? Were you having to climb? No, I just over gates. Or? I just had to navigate like through like different roads, like through neighborhoods and stuff. I see. And oh. And so it just took time. And like my main concern honestly was just the battery. Um because yeah. I only had so much battery for the entire trip. Like I didn't want to stop somewhere and like plug in my phone and charge or whatever or like charge these yeah. things so i was trying to minimize battery usage so it just takes longer and plus when you're cold and tired you're just not making 100 percent like good decisions yeah and that's mentally draining when you're having to you know really think that's the difference between something like this i think in a race where you're just following flagging like it's a catered event whereas with this this was an adventure and you hadn't actually wrecked you hadn't you hadn't um pre-run the whole course yeah, exactly. Like in hindsight, I wish I would have like at least driven the entire route, um, yeah. at least the, the biking section. But I didn't have time for that, and it just didn't really make sense. But I was also kind of like like Kylie was going to come out and run Keystone with me, and she had a PT appointment the next morning or that morning. So she's only she's like, I have to leave by this time. And so in my head, I'm like, oh crap! Like I'm late getting here, and this sucks because she really wanted to do it. And she's excited to go, and I was more than happy to have the company. But like, I just I took too, like way too long getting through town. And then I started going down the main highway once I finally like was on the correct route. And then it really hit me that I was tired. And yeah. I was like, I wasn't like hallucinating or anything, but like I could tell I was not riding that fast and like not like, swerving, but definitely not like processing things very quickly. And that's kind of dangerous when you're on a bike at night oh, yeah. with headlamps yeah. on. And you're basically drunk, right? At that point, like when you're that tired. Yeah, pretty much. So what do they say? They're like, after however many hours of no sleep, you're inebriated essentially. And yeah. I was like, oh crap. And I was actually thought about that too. And so I, I went as far as I could and I was also really cold too. So I, um, I found a spot on the side of the road, just like a, like a dirt pullout essentially. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna sleep for 30 minutes. And so I just pulled my, uh, my liner back out of my bag and I think I put, I don't know, like a light jacket on the ground is like a like a sleeping pad essentially because I didn't want to just like lay right on the dirt. Um, mostly mainly because there's like pokey stuff out there. Like it's it's the desert. There's like choyas and cactus everywhere. Um, but nothing happened. Like I, I laid down, still with my bike shorts on. I even left my shoes on and just kind of pulled my liner up over my my legs and had my puffy on, and instantly fell asleep for thirty minutes. And I woke up and I was like, oh, well that was interesting. And uh, did you did you set an alarm? Yeah. Right. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I set an alarm, and then I actually, I was like, I'm going to do another 30 minutes. Like, I need it. And I, I started it, but then like, I just couldn't sleep. So like, a couple minutes, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to waste this time. And I actually thought about you when you're in Moab. What you were saying is like, you had this sleep thing, but if you weren't sleeping, you were just going to move at that point because like, there's no point wasting 30 minutes laying there when you could be moving for those 30 minutes. Yeah, my rule of thumb is I'll, I'll take up to 10 minutes, and if I don't fall asleep, I move. And I think you might remember I had. I, 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 a couple of times I gave myself a 90 minute window, but the rule was if I woke, if I wake up after 60 minutes and if I'm awake, then I'm, then I leave. I don't try to fall back asleep because at that point, 60 is a solid cycle of sleep, mm-hmm. but I would give myself, if I'm sleeping well, I would give myself up to 90. So yeah, I think you need to have those kind of rules because you're not making good decisions in the moment and you might end up, you know, it's really easy to get lazy and to lie around. And those are the minutes you regret at the end of the effort. You think, oh, I could have saved that half hour right there. Yeah. Well, especially when Strava tells you your moving time versus your overall time. You're like, yeah. oh, I could have yeah. saved that much time if I'd have been moving the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a kick in the face. <laughs> but um, anyways, so like I, 
I when I was finally like, waking up, um, I was packing up my bike and stuff, and I was just still covered like, as much as I could, a beanie on, like puffy. I had some hand warmers inside my gloves. I had two pairs of gloves on. Like my hands get cold really fast, and like I'm sure for most people it really wasn't that cold. But when you're riding and when you're tired and sweaty, like you get cold quickly. And yeah. um, but I I took a caffeine gel and and a ketone shot at that point, and it, it really woke me up. Like I felt good once I started moving. Like like my hands were frozen, but like I felt good. Like I wasn't tired. Like legs felt really good. And so I just pedaled on the road. And it was kind of like a roller coaster, bit of a road, and just like straight shot. So like you can kind of see where you're going, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to that, but it's just like never ending. Just like, oh my gosh! And the sun came up, and it felt good though, and it was nice to have like that that change again of like, okay, it's a new day. Do you, you get a second wind when the sun came up? Like you felt like, or or a fourth wind, or whatever it would have been at that point. Yeah, fourth or fifth wind or yeah. something. And yeah. no, I felt good. Like I I was riding efficiently, and I felt good. And then good. you turn off the main highway, and there's a bunch of old, there's like a bunch of mining and stuff right there. And then you you turn, and suddenly you're just, have a six mile pavement climb up to Keystone Peak. And you can just see it the entire time. And it's not like a it's kind of underwhelming, honestly. It's like it's a very small little like mountain range and there's some radio towers up top. But I can just see it the entire time. And I had a headwind as I'm riding uphill with my bike packing bag after two days of this. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I'm so close to being done. But it's taking forever. Like just slogging up that road. Like took so long never got closer but like the like it's not the silver lining but like something that was kind of motivating to me was like people were just really friendly up there there's a little like like a little neighborhood of people just kind of like kind of like rural like neighborhood of just like like farmers and rancher people and like a lot of people were driving by and just waving saying hi and stuff and it was it was really nice because i think and myself included i get kind of frustrated with people on bikes a lot just because like they're all over the road whatever. and i say this as someone who rides bikes but um, yeah. everybody was really really polite and friendly and like i was just like oh, that's really cool like it made me just kind of like stoked for the day it's like okay like i didn't lose faith in humanity at this point and um so i finally make it up the the road and it's just like a there's a gate with a, a big old water tower right there and that's just the the trailhead like it's nothing that interesting honestly and so i locked my bike against the the fence and um changed my clothes at the water tower and just ran up this dirt road like it's literally just a dirt road the entire time and it's nothing that incredible um but it's non-technical though which is really nice because yeah i could just go nice way to finish right oh 100 automatic pilot yeah i was just going and like I, I felt okay like i'm tired obviously but um there's like some there's some cattle up there a lot of deer and there's like an old cabin and just like little things that were just interesting along the way to look at it's an old graveyard from back in the mining days and stuff and and getting to the top was cool. Like I made it to the top. It's just radio towers. Like it wasn't that interesting, but um, the rundown was fun because like I felt good, and it was non-technical. So I just like just ran down. And um, at this point, though, I was a little short on water because none of these trailheads really have water. And but I had passed like a a cow like dripper type thing. It was just like a little teeny like spigot that has like a some nasty water in it. And I saw it, so I'm like, I'm gonna stop there and like fill up a bottle and filter it just in case. So I don't want to be totally dry in this very end segment. And so I passed it. Oh, then I passed it on the way up and as I was coming down, I saw it again and there's like a whole bunch of cows there and they all ran away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this water is going to be nasty. And I looked at yeah. it, it looked clean, minus all the bugs like swimming around in it. And then I, I filled up a bottle and I was like, oh, it smells like eggs really bad all of a sudden. And it was the water smelled like sulfur. And I was like, mm. oh, this water is probably not super clean, even if I filter it. And so, like, I, I kept the bottles like a backup bottle. And luckily, like, the temps were cool out, so I didn't really drink that much on the way down. And so I just saved it, and um, I I would try not to drink it, honestly, because it just smelled terrible. Like, as I was running down with that bottle in my hand, like, flies were landing on the bottle and stuff. Like, it, it smelled awful. What kind, of, what kind of filter were you using? Uh, it's the... What's the Solomon one? Um, the Solomon XA filter cap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that one's it's it's it won't filter out uh, heavy metals or contaminants okay. like that. So yeah, so you do want to be careful, especially like in you know Colorado on the Hard Rock course where you've got like old mining uh, contaminated creeks and stuff. You do have to be careful with those filters. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. I didn't know that. And yeah, that could have been bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, well, I mean, you would you yeah. would have finished the run. You just might get you know problems in two or three years from now <laughs> it's totally worth it though right yeah <laughs> but uh yes yeah, so i got back to my bike though and like 
I was like stoked. I'm like, oh, cool. Last peak is done. Like all the running's done at this point. It's just ride back up to my truck. And um, so I was, I probably looked just beat up at this point because like there were a couple people that drove by and were asking me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm fine. They're just like, okay, kind of like a weird look on their faces. Like, what are you doing type thing? Uh, but they were friendly. They were just making sure that, that I was okay. Um, but the ride down, since I had that six-mile climb up, was a six-mile descent, which was awesome because you just ripped down there. Then it was relatively flat over to Green Valley, which is uh, the town right before you go up to Mount Wrightson. And so at this point, I still hadn't drink in that nasty water. So I was like, I'm going to stop and get some water. Um, There's a Safeway a grocery store like right on the route. And so I stopped there real quick, and I got some water. and. I think some cookies or something just to like just something to like eat on the way up because i knew it was gonna be a long climb of riding up back to my truck and mm. and so i did that and i'd driven up there a million times but i've never ridden it and i was like this is gonna be a slog fest for sure and and right so you had started you didn't start at the low point you you kind of started up the climb so you had to climb to finish yeah which i don't know if that was good or bad because either way you have to do the climb but yeah it, it was not the most ideal way to finish the route because I'm just like, I felt like I was barely moving. It's the same thing where you can just yeah. see rights in the entire time and I knew my truck was right there and I'm like, I'm never going to make it there. Like, I kept checking maps and I'd go like a half a mile and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so, like, I just want to be done. <laughs> like, I was enjoying it, but also just, you want to be done at that point. Yeah, and course. so it's like, the road's fairly trafficked with people because it's a pretty popular area. But um, no real issues, like, going up there though, it just took a long time and um, I finally put in some headphones at this point because I'm like, okay, I know where my truck is, and if my phone dies, it's fine. Like, I can just, and I just wanted to crank it out and get it done. So I just, I pedaled in the last little bit. I just hammered as best I could, and then found my the road where I'd parked, and I was done. And I was just pretty relieved, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was awesome. Well, congratulations. What lessons learned? what would you do differently oh man a lot honestly like i when i was out there like halfway through i'm like i didn't plan this as well as i normally plan a lot of things that i do i don't know why I, I've, I've just been kind of busy recently and i know it's a stupid excuse but i think i didn't plan appropriately like for example mm -hmm. i could have dropped water at wasson peak i could have dropped water at micah because it's all self-supported like all these places i could have dropped water and potentially food and then minimize my stopping along the way and so I could have done that, but I, I didn't. And so that would have saved me probably quite a bit of time. Um, I also had ordered some food that I procrastinated ordering and didn't arrive in time. And so it's just another thing is like, I knew I was going to do this for like two months, but I just delayed yeah. ordering the food for it. And I'm like, and I was out there, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like I should have just, just ordered it. Like, but it's just like a simple thing that's like, I'll just slip my mind, I guess, because for whatever reason. Um... Let's see. Recon of the course. Would you have done that? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that section between Wasson and Keystone, where I had to navigate for a while. I really wish I would have ridden that or driven it beforehand and known mm -hmm. the exact road. But that would have saved me a lot of time and just mental energy as well. Um, that would have been awesome. You you mentioned a couple times your phone potentially dying, and to me that seems like, aside from the obvious logistical issue, that's a stressor where you're worried about your phone. And and for me, I, I find having things like that that you're worried about all the time that drains you, it distracts you. What, was there a reason you didn't carry a power bank for for your phone? So I didn't keep in your bike. Yeah, I carried two power banks actually. Um, oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, but my bike light and then my headlamp I had to charge as well. Gotcha. And so after a couple of days, like those. They drain battery really quick. And I did have two batteries yeah. for my headlamp. And then um, I only had the one battery for the bike light. Because my thought was, like, I'll just power it straight off the battery bank and be fine. But um, doing that basically just drained the entire power bank. So I was like, okay, like, I only have so much battery left. And I was like, when I was on Micah, for example, I ran it on low power the entire time, my headlamp, just to conserve battery, which also probably made me navigate a little bit slower. Um, so in hindsight, I definitely would have brought like, a bigger battery bank or maybe even stashed one somewhere just so I could kind of swap mm. it out on the way. Like that's just, yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, sorry, was it three full nights? It was two full nights. Two full nights. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's just, just battery power just on lights. Like it's a little different than running because running is like you only have your headlamp, but like when you're on your yeah. bike, it's like, you gotta kind of have a bike light because headlamps kind of suck on a, a bike. <laughs>
It's got to be a bright one too, yeah. Yeah, it helps a lot having that bright one, especially. Oh yeah, and also had like a, a tail light too, um, for traffic. Because I'm like, so I'm running these lights because mainly because I don't want to get hit by a vehicle out there. And it's like the road. Some of the roads yeah. are kind of remote and rural, so people fly down them. And, and I would do the same yeah. thing, honestly. Like you're just out there in the middle of the night, you're just cruising. But like you're not expecting a, bi- a biker out at two in the morning on these roads, no. Yeah, exactly. So the lighting was really important. And, and what about um, clothing? Did you did you have enough clothes? Was there ever a point where you were really you were cold and needed more? The only point where I wish I'd have had more clothing was that section between Lawson and Keystone where my legs got really cold. And it sounds kind of silly because you can like go out and run and like, you like, you always like, I don't know, you cover up your hands and your upper body and your legs are usually fine. But when you're on a bike with that wind chill factor, like it adds up. And that's something that like, I always tell people I'm a fair weather rider. Like I just, I ride out when it's sunny and nice and not windy generally. Cause this is, <laughs> I enjoy riding in that, which I guess is normal, but I wish I would have brought some sort of leggings to um, keep my legs warm at that point. Because like anything would have been very helpful. Yeah, and it strikes me that you know one of the most challenging parts about the logistics for this was the fact that you were doing two sports. So you had a bike light and a headlamp, two different batteries to worry about clothes. So you had two different changes to worry about, um, and those things couldn't necessarily be layered. Although maybe that would be something to consider too. Eh, is is how you could use clothes that work for both and could be layered. But at the same time, was it easier physically? with this being a multi-sport thing where you're sort of letting some muscles recover as you're biking and then, you know, so it wasn't running for 56 hours. Was that easier or, or, or was it, you know, um, or, or what did the logistics make it harder? You know, was it a net positive or? I think it was a net positive, honestly. Cause like, I think if I remember right, Ryan was asking me after lemon, he was like, are you excited to be on your bike? And I was like, Oh heck yeah. Cause like, it's fun yeah. because like you, the, like I love running, but riding is also really fun. And it's like crazy how fast you can go on a bike too. And after you've been kind of like, running a slow pace you get on a bike you feel like you can just cruise and it's like you were saying you're using different muscles so it is quite a bit of relief to suddenly just be pedaling and maybe even coasting downhill and moving but you're just being really efficient and so that was awesome honestly like even climbing sometimes like on the bike was just nice because it's like well i'm not on my feet like, it gives my feet a break and i actually i wore the entire my the same shoes the entire time i didn't bring bike shoes or anything Oh, you didn't? No, okay. I just wore um, this, the Solomon Pulsar 2 or whatever it is. Because um, I like that shoe, but it also just it was fine. Um, so it's like another kind of like weight reduction thing, of like not taking bike shoes with me. But um, I'm spacing where I was going with that. Uh, sorry, I'm still a little loopy after. <laughs> no, no, no. So... Yeah, yeah, and and I think also it's a mental shift when you when you can do those two different sports, hey, because now you feel like it's breaking it up. It's not just running and running; it's like running for six hours and biking for four hours, and you know, so so that's nice. In addition to having some people along the way to look forward to running with, you could look forward to change. You know, it's kind of like when you're doing, um, you know, running in the Alps and you're you're climbing for two or three hours, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to start descending. I mean, you, you descend for two hours, you're like, oh, I can't wait to start climbing. You know, it, it kind of breaks it up a bit that way. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it, it was so nice to just mix it up the way. Because if I would have done, like, 56 hours of running, that would have been a very different yeah. experience than 56 hours of running and riding. And like, I, totally. I enjoy both sports a lot. So it's fun to, like, be on my bike. And, like, I can't wait to run Wasson. And it's like, oh, no, I can't wait to ride mm-hmm. my bike. And it was awesome. Yeah. But then that does kind of, like, working backwards here, that brings me to my, my kind of last question, which is, how did, how did you train for this? So did you train for this or was this just you've done a bunch of time on feed over the last couple of months and specifically how did you train for the fact that you're doing two sports here or do you just do you always ride and run all you know a lot in your training yeah i try to like i really enjoy riding my bike a lot um but i also love running and this whole year for me has just been doing different types of running like i haven't done any ultras outside of any sort of training runs so i ran like some half marathons and like shorter trail races it was super fun and like but a lot of the training, though, I guess, was a lot of low intensity, um, just time on feet, just moving. And it honestly wasn't that ideal because I was just really busy with work the couple months leading up to it. And so I had this whole schedule of like, I'm going to do all these different things, but I wasn't able to. Like I was out at like a stage race in, in Southern Utah. And I was like, well, I can't train while I'm out here working every day. It just wasn't even a, a possibility. Um, so it was basically just doing as much as I could when I could. And so I tried to run and ride every day and structure my workouts. Or if I did a run workout, I'd do a bike workout that same day. And the next day it'd be an easy run and an easy ride, like a lot of endurance type stuff. 
And I even incorporated more hiking than I normally would. Where like I, like I know, for example, like when I run Wallace and Peak, I can run the entire thing. But I was like, if I'm going to do this and it's going to be however many hours in, like I should probably just practice hiking it. And yeah, so- you were simulating what it would be like on the day. And you were doing brick sessions then, sort of how you would train for a triathlon. You were doing... Yeah. Um, actually, like the when was it, a couple of weeks or three weeks before I, I started this, I was up at the Grand Canyon and I was camping maybe like 30 miles or so via bike away on purpose. That way I could ride my bike into the park run down the canyon up the canyon then ride back to kind of like soft simulate wow. the route yeah and i think cool. i think that was very beneficial because it kind of taught me how to like how to just shift like like you're saying like a brick workout like for triathlon and it definitely like I, a lot of things i could have improved upon doing that but it was a good it was good for my legs i think and my my brain to like know how to pace myself yeah. appropriately physically and mentally that sounds like great training yeah so you mentioned a gopro are you making a film or was that mostly photos you were taking yeah i shot all like video on just gopro video like it's not anything crazy um but i'm gonna put some stuff together because that'd be fun like i honestly didn't take like any pictures um some of my friends did and i just mainly took gopro video um which i think would be cool just kind of like kind of show the route off because like i I really think it could be done a lot faster like Mm -hmm. considering how like i i felt pretty good the day after minus just the fatigue from being awake like i know like a stronger cyclist could do it a lot faster and also, mm-hmm. like we're talking about, like the the time savings of planning a little bit better, um, maybe just pushing harder. Like I think I could do it faster, but I know those local guys that could go out and crush it. And I honestly would love to see them do it because it's a really cool way to like see the valley and all these like really like, cool peaks around town. And you connect it with your your bike and on foot. It's like really amazing. And um, like if people are interested, like hit me up because I would. I know these times can go down a lot faster, and I'd like to see that happen. When do you expect the film to be done? Um, hopefully by the end of the year, um, I have a lot of editing to do, but, um, definitely going to be working on it like right after Thanksgiving. So uh, one thing that I did do that I I didn't mention as far as training is weight training as well. Um, I've been focusing a lot on that, um, recently not to get like big, but just to kind of build like stability and strength in a lot of ways. So, and I always did like a, a weight sesh on my, um, my workout days. And I think that was really helpful. And as far as like making sure all my little like tendons and stuff are working properly and strong, um, this is a little side note there, but I'm a big fan of weight training. Yeah, I am too, especially as I age as an athlete. Um, cause like you said, it, it helps with the, it's not just your big muscles, it's the connective tissue and the stabilizers. It's, it's some of the things we can neglect in our, in our training sometimes. And, and those are the muscles that you start to really rely on when you're, uh, when you're getting fatigued. Oh, 100%. And like, honestly, like I had no real issues the entire time. Um, like I had no bike issues, which is nice. It's like one thing that you always think about. Um, I didn't get a flat or anything, um, but my body just felt pretty good. And, and I attribute that to like eating properly and just being consistent with things. And like, okay, like if I can only ride an hour today, I'm only going to ride an hour because that's all I can do, which is making sure I'm consistently doing that. And then mm-hmm. then the weight sessions and these things, it's like, I don't even do like a lot. It's just like very basic routine. And I think just doing that two to three times a week is like easy. It's like, you don't have to like necessarily even go to the gym. You can do a lot of the stuff at home and it's like, like a pretty basic workout that can kind of make or break some things, especially these longer things. So, uh, well, any weight loss at the end of it? Like how, speaking of recovery, did you, did you weigh yourself before and after? And what oh. was your, what's your eating been like after that? No, I should have weighed myself though. And I actually, uh, I was thinking about how, like when you ran grand to grand, you lost like, how many pounds or kilos did you lose when you ran grand to grand over oh, that week? It was a lot. It was a lot. I don't, all I remember is I ate like multiple, I spent like three hours at the wind buffet the next day <laughs> uh, flying through Vegas. And then I came home and I, and I ate like, I went to a number, I went to a bunch of buffets, put it that way. <laughs> oh, I believe it, dude. Like, like when I got done, so like, um, see, so I got done and the only I'm trying to think, I went back to my truck and I have a, a Dometic fridge in my truck, which is really convenient. And so I planned that. The only thing I planned, I guess, really was that <laughs> the main planning part. I planned my post-run yeah. food, and I had um, some raw milk, um, cheese and prosciutto, and some chips. And that's what I ate right after, and it just sounded amazing, and it was delicious. Um, and I just yeah. I pounded that, and then uh, it was actually kind of funny because I also had like a like a a canned coffee, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome afterwards." I had like a good coffee, and I was sitting there in my camp chair, and I. I must have fallen asleep because I woke up and there's just coffee all over my legs. <laughs> like I, I just totally just bl- not blacked out, but I just passed out. 
And yeah. it was kind of funny because I was planning to go meet some friends right after just to talk about it. Like Kylie and Matt who had helped me on the, the route. And I started driving over there and I was like, I can't do this. Like I texted, I pulled off and texted them. And I was like, I, I feel dangerous right now. Like I should not be driving. Cause like you're saying, it's like you're drunk. And I was going like 20 under the speed limit and I felt like I was speeding. And I was like, this is not okay. And so I, I pulled off somewhere to sleep, but, um, I had some more food after that too. I chugged a bunch of milk and stuff. Then I ended up sleeping for like 13 hours, just mm-hmm. like totally passed out. And when I woke up, I was just ravenous, man. I was so hungry. So I had six mm-hmm. eggs. Um, I think I had more chips, prosciutto, cheese again. These really easy things that are like full of sodium, um, but also just yeah. things I kind of eat on the, the daily. And it tasted really good. But then like an hour after I ate breakfast, so I was like, I'm hungry again. And so I ate more food. I don't remember what I ate, but it was just a lot of stuff. Like I just kept eating and eating that entire day quite a bit. And then um, I ended up going to, to see Matt and Kylie that night for dinner. And we had steak and ribs and uh, potatoes. And I demolished it and I, I felt good. And then I went to bed and I woke up like an hour later. I was like, oh, I'm hungry again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever after a big event like that, I always... Uh... I'll, I'll buy like protein shakes or like drinkable yogurt and stuff. And oh, just yeah. have it ready for like three in the morning when I wake up, just starve. It's just like re- easy, you know, full fat foods to, to snack on in the middle of the night. Yeah. It's a really good idea. I've never even thought about doing that. Like having things like beside your bed just to kind of like chug yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Or like close by in the fridge. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you ran, so it was what, 143 and a half miles is what your, your watch says. That's what the watch says. And of course, says. you missed some of the mileage. So probably 150, 155. I'm not sure because um, Henley, who did it before, said it was like 160-ish of riding and like 85 running. Um, and I think Fun. he mapped it differently where he like, at least on the route that he did, and I think he like did individual segments. Like So he did like a ride segment and then a run segment and then a ride segment. And so he was having a new GPX track for every um, every time he got off and on his bike, and I didn't okay. do that. And so I really don't know the exact mileage, and it, it's kind of a little frustrating. Like not like I don't know. That's probably too strong of a word. It's just like I wish I would have just done it individually, so I would have known exactly how far I've gone. Um, but I'd say his was probably more accurate. So maybe two hundred forty ish total of running and riding over the, the course of a couple of days. Wow, that's huge. It's huge, yeah. Yeah. But um but it's fun though. And like like you're saying though too, it's like it's like when you're at Moab this year, for example, it's a hundred percent running. And that's so different than running and riding, where like riding I got that break from the running and then running you get that break from the riding. It's not just on your feet for the two days or how many hours did you do Moab in? Sixty four or something? Yeah, seventy just under seventy one. Okay. Yeah. So but it's so different though when you're just on your feet the entire time, like like I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what my feet would look like if I would have done it all on foot instead of riding. Especially in the pulse, in the you were in the S Lab pulsars. Yeah, yeah, especially in the S Lab pulsars. Yeah, <laughs> which honestly, like I, yeah, I love that shoe. It's my go-to like yeah. uh, tempo shoe or like workout shoe. Yeah, um, same. Yeah, but it is tight though. It is a tighter shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I did. I guess speaking of that though, like I had riding socks, like fluorescent um, socks that I wore for that. Then I had mm-hmm. a pair of like Drymax running socks for when I was running. And so I think like okay. swapping socks and trying to dry my feet as much as possible um, really mm-hmm. helps. I had no blisters or anything and I usually don't get mm-hmm. blisters, but I was wondering if after that length of time I would have something show up and mm-hmm. nothing like my feet were a little tender the next day for a couple hours and I woke up, but then they were fine. Like no blisters, no hot spots or anything. So what's next? You, you said uh, you're doing a last man standing <laughs> event in December. Is that in a couple of weeks or when, when in December? Yeah, it's, um, it's at across the years. It's an Aravipa event. And um, yeah. it was kind of like an impulse sign up because I was like thinking of what I should do. And this whole year, like I was saying, it's just been like trying to do different type of events because like ultras are great, but it's also mm-hmm. like running is this, there's so many different things you can do with running. So it's like, why only do ultras or why only do hundreds? Like, why don't you do different things? That's why I ran shorter events this year, kind of like tone things back a bit lengthwise and then this is something different i wouldn't normally do then ATY is last man standing it could be a a 30 mile day or a a 200 mile day and so it starts on december 31st and um, we'll go into the new year which will be super fun it's just a a flat loop around this park in phoenix and it should be interesting it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm excited for it but so this was as much training then as an adventure in itself. Yeah, no, totally. I was I messaged somebody about it. It was just like, 
it's kind of like training for ATY because I'm like, I've never been awake that long before. I've never just been moving yeah. that long before continuously. So like, it definitely was like a, it was a fun effort and fun to do. And I'm glad I did it. But also it was in a sense like training and preparing for this race coming up in, in five or so weeks. But. Well, congratulations again. Thanks for having me on as a guest host here <laughs> on the pod. <laughs> I guess if people want to follow you and learn more, they just need to fo keep following this feed and, and they'll get to hear about your, hopefully about your last man standing events as well. Yeah. Follow the podcast and stuff. And honestly, the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do a film as much as I can at ATY about the last man standing. Cause like, this is such a unique thing. And I want to talk to these guys that have done it before, like Jeff Garmeyer, for example, who is, he's a bunch of like through hiking FKTs and he's done these before. I'm like, cause I don't know where to start. I'm like, how do you even pace yourself appropriately? How do you eat for this? I have no idea. And I'm going to start thinking about it a lot more now that I have some time to think about it, but I'm excited. It's gonna be a lot it, is a, it is a subset of the community that does those kind of events. Hey, eh? it's a bit of a niche. Oh, 100%. Like the crowd at these type of events is very different than say Western States or whatever. And there's, there's really not a lot of crossover. I don't think because it's a unique type of people that can sit there and like say run for seven days around a loop. It's like, it's mind blowing to me. Like I just, I can't even fathom being awake for that long. Yeah. But, well, yeah. good luck. <laughs> Thanks dude. <laughs> Have fun. I'll let you know how yeah. it goes. Maybe you should sign up. Yeah. Maybe one day, one day. <laughs> well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come and film you at one of them one day. See how I okay. do it. Do it that way first. I can see, see what's involved. You yeah. just watch me suffer and complain. Watch you suffer. Yeah. yeah you've watched <laughs> me suffer enough. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah, let's turn the camera again over to me again. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that was fun. I'm glad we could, talk, talk yeah. about this it was great it was fun to have you on as a guest yeah, host yeah. <laughs>